Hey everybody, how are you all doing? This is Shane Clifford here. Welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast. I hope you're uh, having a good time. This is Ireland's greatest podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome on board the Shane train, my Shaniacs. Destination um, Columbia. Because I'll tell you, it's hot, isn't it? It's hot. I'm sweaty. I'm sweaty. I feel like I'm in New Orleans or something. The Big Easy or the Small Hard. Sounds like my penis. No, lesson. No more pe- a penis. Bad penis joke. Four seconds into the podcast. Let's move on. Uh, but it is hot. It's hotter than a, a daughter of Christaberg. And I am sitting here sweating. But the sun is out. The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Now, when you're gonna move your dancing feet. Hey, Bob Marley. I'll move my dancing feet when I feel like it. You don't have to fucking pressure me into it, right? That's me and Bob Marley having an argument. Bob Marley is, uh, you know, I'm sitting at the corner of the dance floor in a chair at a wedding. Uh, drinking, um, you know, uh, a pint of Guinness. Bob Marley's coming over. He's going... The sun, the weather is sweet. When you gonna move your dancing feet? I'm like, Bob, give me a fucking minute. I don't like dancing, all right? I know we're at a wedding. I know we're all here to have fun. I know Rock the Boat is on. But I, listen, Bob, I like you, man, all right? Not a big fan of your music, but I like you as a person. And I'm not dancing, all right? And don't push me into it, because the more you push me, the less I'm going to do it. Okay, Bob? (laughs) So that's me and Bob Marley there, a little improv uh, play that I just did. Bob Marley, actually, uh, in the mean streets of Gallowsfield, Tralee, when I was growing up, right, as a youngster in the 90s, Bob Marley was a big fixture of the culture of the area. Now, I kind of grew up to dislike the music of Bob Marley, right? And not because I even listened to it. I didn't like the people that listened to it. What I hated was I grew up around people who had Bob Marley t-shirts on, Bob Marley hash boxes, you know, and you know that they only liked him because he smoked the gange. I don't know if they were big reggae heads. So I used to look at these guys and go, if these are the guys that like Bob Marley, then I'm not listening to him. Now, that's the wrong thing to do. I grew up, listened to a bit of Bob Marley. I like it in general. Wouldn't be a big fan, but I like it. Now, another thing that turns me off reggae, that was crap, do you know the crap reggae that gets into the charts? Especially in the 90s. I don't think it gets in the charts anymore. Me and Kira were watching Peter Andre Mysterious Girl video the last day. Jesus Christ, that was number one hit for fucking 17 months or something. It was a horrendous song. Well, Mysterious Girl, I want to have sex with you. Or whatever he says. I don't know. And the video, my Jesus. Have you seen the video? It's Peter... Andre, and it's just him gyrating with his big abs. There's more abs in that video than there is in the band Five. If I was Peter Andre in that video, if it was me, I would not have made that video. Because if the director was going, all right, Shane, take off your top and dance under a waterfall, I'd go, fuck off, man. (laughs) I'm not doing that. This is cringe. I was like, enough that I have to release this song, Mysterious Girl, which is one of the worst songs ever written. Now you want me to dance under a waterfall and show off my abs. Um, and then, right, that song, Mysterious Girl, got me, reminded me of another song that's exactly the same, but it was also a big hit in the 90s called Sweat. 
That one, right? So I put that on. Jesus Christ, that's a that's a horrible song. That was a huge hit, right? In like 1997, when I was 10 or something, right? And so I was singing along to it like everybody else in the world. Girl, I'm gonna make you sweat. Sweat till you can't sweat no more, right? And when I was a youngster, I was, yeah, I'm going, he's gonna make her sweat, sweat till she can't sweat no more. I thought, you know, in my primitive childhood mind, he was taking her to the gym. He had her up on the treadmill. <laughs> you know, he had her in the sauna. He's there pushing her. Come on. You're, you're not giving up. I'm making you sweat and, you know, you need to lose a few pounds. That's what I thought. I thought it was, hey, it's a great song about a fella, a personal trainer. Okay. Then I listened to Tlassie and I realized it's not about that at all. It's about him having sex with her, making her sweat. And the fact that I was a youngster and because when I was in that song, came, I didn't know what intercourse was. Uh, you know, in fact, it didn't. Uh, my grandmother told me that babies are born when a man and a woman kiss at the altar when they get married, and a seed comes out of the man's belly and goes into the woman's belly. That's what my grandmother told me. And then recently, me and Kira were trying to conceive. I was like, "All right, come on, we better have French kiss." <laughs> she said, "No, what are you talking about?" And she set me down, told me the whole story. I was like, "What you do? What with your penis?" Anyway, uh, that song, sweat is uh, terrible because as well the fucking lyrics girl I'm going to make you sweat sweat till you can't sweat no more and if you cry out I'm going to push it some more fucking hell and that was allowed to be released if you cry out I'm going to push it some more and that was a big hit everybody singing along with smiley faces in the sun anyway welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast I hope you had a great fatter's day whatever you did whether you were a father or not, even if you weren't a father, I sp- you could still fucking have a great father's day. Like if your friends go, hey, are you coming out? Nah, man, get, I'm staying in. It's, f- it's father's day. But you're not a dad. So what? Who cares? I'm going to sit in here, watch The Great Escape, uh, play, play with a chisel and eat a Toblerone like a dad. Because that's all dads do, isn't it? Watch Star Trek and eat Toblerones. And so I hope you did that. And I hope if you were a dad, you had a great time. I hope your child got you something when it was really the mother. Come on, let's face it. But I hope you had that whole uh, charade. And if your dad was still alive, I hope you got him something. I hope you have a good relationship because I'll tell you this. It's hard to be a dad from what I can discern because I have friends who are dad, recent dads. And Jesus Christ, they find that hard, I'd say. (laughs) Because I'll tell you why. Uh, and I, this is completely uneducated guess as to why it's hard to be a dad. But I would imagine that in a relationship, when you're with a lady or even a fella, all right, but let's just keep it to what I'm used to, ladies and fellas, right? When the baby comes out of the mother's uh, vagina, let's not fucking sugarcoat it here. That's exactly what happens. All right. I'm sorry if I upset you. If you're children in the room, that's what happens. A baby comes out of the mother's fallopian vagina. All right. <laughs> and when that happens, the second that baby breaches those that vulva, the father is no longer e- an equal partner in the relationship. He's down the line. He's relegated. He's down. He's in the relegation zone. All right. The mother, the second the baby passes the uh 
the labia, the mother goes to the father, puts her finger up to her eyes and goes, I am the captain now. All right. <laughs> and that's just the natural law. As well as that, for the first few years of the child's life, the child is looking at you going, who is this fella called Ian? And what's he doing in my house? Who is this breastless, milkless, <laughs> useless bastard that he's supposed to paint a shed six months ago and still hasn't got around to it? Who is this guy? What's he doing here with me and my mother? It's only later they re- the child realizes who you are. So that must be tough too, you know? So cut the dad some slack. And some dads, like like when that, when that happens, the mother becomes uh, Ronaldo, all right? She's fucking carrying the team. She's scoring goals, 60 goals a season. She's got the whole team on her shoulders. The dad becomes Harry Maguire. He's running around in circles. He's tackling his old players. He's fucking, you know, scoring own goals. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that's what happens. Because dads are clueless. We don't know. Men don't know what they're doing with a baby. With mothers, something kicks in. Usually. With a dad, he's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I've seen my friends, Ben. So it's hard to be a dad. So you might as well get him something. Even the bad dads, because you know how hard it is. You know? My friend Owen's dad, he went out for a box of cigarettes about uh, 12 years ago. And he still hasn't come back. Imagine how useless that is. He must have gone to the big Tesco on the other side of town because it's taken him a long time to come home. So it's good to get your dad something just to say, hey, look, we know what the story is. Here you go. Here's a here's a bottle of Paco Rabanne. Paco Rabanne. I remember the first time I got Paco Rabanne aftershave, I felt like a, I felt like a sex machine. I felt like I was going to get ladies left, right and center. I felt like I was going to be John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> but it was far from the truth. Let me tell you that as well. Do you know what my first ever spray was? And I think a lot of guys in my generation. Lynx Africa. Man, I thought I was a fucking grown up when I had that on me. Lynx Africa. I thought I was the bomb. 14 years old. About eight stone, paler than Edward Scissorhands, bonier than Boney M, uh, you know, eyes darker than a dead man's dreams, covered head to toe in Lynx Africa. Fucking hell. No wonder I didn't kiss a girl till I was about 17. <laughs> you know, I thought, but when I, when I put on the Lynx Africa, in America it's called Axe. When I put that on, I thought I was hitting some primal fucking African deep heart of Africa thing that was going to turn women crazy. You know, and I was this pale fucking wraith. And my friend's mother turned to him one day when she dropped him into town to meet me, took a look at me and turned to him and said, tell me how bad is Shane on the drugs? (laughs) Because I looked like I was fucking about to drop. But... That didn't matter because I was head to toe in Lynx Africa. And look at me now, all right? Wrinkly, slightly sallow-skinned, weather-beaten, balding, heavier than a doctor's wallet, but still covered head to toe in Lynx Africa. And I'll tell you, man, drives Kira wild. So go out and buy yourself. If you're a dad, go out and treat yourself to Lynx Africa this week and uh, tell him Shane sent you. Speaking of children, right? I live in Portobello and I went out the last day because Georgie 
goes missing sometimes for like an hour. I couldn't find her anywhere. I was walking up and down the road like a spare prick going, Georgie, baby, oh, baby. I, I hate how I talk to my cat. If anyone could see me, if my friends saw how I talk to my cat, they would be fucking ashamed. They'd turn their back on me. They'd deny me like Peter denied Christ. I'd be like, hey, Georgie, baby, how are you, my little baby? Come here to me. Fucking disgusting behavior. I'm sick. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> oh, baby, hey, baby. So I'm walking up and down the road, right? The last day going, Georgie, baby, where are you? All right. Like a, f- like a, just a complete and utter dickhead. And there's this little boy that lives just down the road. And I often say hello to him and. He often goes, hi, where's your cat? And I'm like, oh, she's in bed or whatever, you know. So he was cycling his little bike past me. And he goes, hi. I goes, hi, did you see my cat anywhere? And he goes, I have an ice cream. I was like, all right. That's not what I fucking asked, is it? That's not what I asked, man. I said, where have you seen my cat? So anyway, he was fucking, he just loved his ice cream. He didn't care about the cat. And he comes up to me and he goes, if you... You look like Mr. Bean if you had a if you had a if you had if you if you had a smaller nose. Alright? You look like Mr. Bean if you had a smaller nose. That's what he said to me. First of all, doesn't Mr. Bean have a fairly big nose? Isn't that one of his fucking traits? So this kid is saying that my nose is still too big to be a full Mr. Bean replica. And I can hear in the flat behind me, Kira bursting her hole laughing. Yeah, you you look like Mr. And then his friend comes over. Doesn't he look like Mr. Bean? All right. I'm just looking for my cat. And I'm thinking, hey, little boy, why don't you cycle your fucking bike along down the road, please? And eat your ice cream. Mr. Bean, I was disgusted. Doesn't he look like Mr. Bean with a big... I was like, you fucking little prick. <laughs> you little cunt no one you fucking little bastard if I was a, if I was fucking if I could get away with that because <laughs> Mr. Bean as we all know a bumbling fucking idiot um, which in a way I am but come on because there's a thing right I was, I've noticed this, and I don't know if it's just me or is it any, everybody, all right? There's this part of the ego in my brain, okay, that when you're walking down the street, whatever my ego does to protect me from reality, my ego, if I think, it's not that I ever think about it, but it's just I get a general feeling of myself as being a very super handsome, cool guy, right? Suave. And then sometimes when I'm in pennies or something, I've got this image of myself. I look, I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And there I am fucking hair all over the place. Big fat fucking head with six jaws. Belly actually sticking out. Sweat patches under my... (laughs) And my image of myself is shattered. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not cool at all. I'm just a fucking like a middle aged man. I'm not George Clooney. I'm, you know, I'm Dan Aykroyd. I don't know where that analogy came from, but you know what I mean? I'm Danny DeVito. I'm not Brad Pitt. 
I'm Mr. Fucking Bean. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it reminded me of this guy who in 2006 or 2007, a British soldier, go on home. All right. A British soldier. God, what is, what's the songs? Like uh, the rebel songs? Some say the devil is dead, the devil is dead, buried in Killarney. Some say he rose again and joined the British Army. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's actually a clever song because some say the devil is dead and he's buried in Killarney. I hate Killarney, all right? I'm from Tralee. Me, us and Killarney, we, it would be like, um, you know, we call Killarney Shelbyville. And then the devil is some say he's in Clarny and the others say here he's in the British Army because the British Army are such dickheads that they have the devil in their ranks. Uh, so it's a very clever song. But this prick, Arthur Bachelor was his name because I looked him up after I was insulted called Mr. Bean. This guy was kidnapped by the Iranians in 2006. Okay, he was a 20 year old private with the British Army. And the Iranians tortured him, not not by the usual means where they, you know, electrocute your testicles or dip your head into a bucket of water. Not by that. Do you know how they tortured him? They kept calling him Mr. Bean because he kind of looked a bit like Mr. Bean. He was English. And he started crying. He started bawling, crying. And when he was released and he told that story to the press or whomever, he was treated as a laughing stock all over the world. Ah, uh, he started crying when they called him Mr. Bean. Uh, what a prick. I was even laughing at him. Uh, imagine that, man. Crying because they called you Mr. Bean. Now I know how he felt. Now I get it. <laughs> anyway, Georgia came back about five minutes later. And I was still pissed off at that little boy on his stupid bike with his ice cream. I hope, it, I hope he dropped it. I was watching a bit of the Irishman, the Martin Scorsese. Film. I call him Martin. I call him Marty because we're such good friends. And I got a flashback to when I saw that for the first time. Now, I probably told you the story about two years ago, and I'm go- I'm, but I'm going to tell it again because the rage grew up inside me. Like it, w- it would put me right. I don't know if you've ever remembered something that happened in the past and then you got just as sort of angry as you were at the time. All right. I'll tell you the story again. Forgive me if you've heard it. The Irishman, Martin Scorsese, is coming out. Now, I'm a big fucking Martin Scorsese fan. And this is like the Avengers. All right. This is like if you were, were watching the Avengers, right? It's got De Niro in it, Pesci, Pacino, the rest of them, right? It's a gangster film. I'm like fucking salivating at the mouth the minute I heard it's being made. I have, I'm walking around with a, an erection for six weeks before it comes out, right? Could not wait. I hear that there's a screening in Rat Minds Cinema. Two days before the actual release, I say, I'm fucking there, man. I'm there. Premiere. Book two tickets. One for me, one for Kira. It was on. The Sunday night, Kira, I was like, come on, Kira. I was dressed, I was dressed and ready with my shoes and my jacket on about six hours before the fucking started the film. All right, that's how excited I was. It was like Christmas morning. 
You know, I couldn't sleep the night before. That's how excited I was. Um, and I goes to Kira. Come on, she says. I don't want to watch a four-hour film with fellas pretending to be young fellas, old men pretending to be young fellas for four fucking hours, and they're gangsters. I I I can't do it, Shane. All right, my heart was broken. <laughs> But I said, all right, I understand. You don't want to sit through a four-hour fucking mafia movie. I, all right, I'll go myself. All right, left in a little bit of a huff. I'll, 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 I'll say that now, two years later, in a little bit of a huff. All right, like, I'm after paying for the ticket, like. Anyway, got to the cinema and goes up to buy popcorn and Coke. All right? They say, no need. I said, what? Come again? Huh? She says, no need to buy the popcorn and Coke because it's a premiere of The Irish Man. We've put a large popcorn, large Coke on every seat. I was like, Jesus Christ, is this the greatest day that's ever happened? Is this the greatest day of my life? Going to see The Irish Man, free large popcorn, free large Coke. All right, I pinched myself at the counter. Am I, am I dreaming? Got into the screening of The Irish Band, sat down. They, they had this live broadcast from the actual premiere with Al Pacino and all the boys in Venice or something, right? So I was watching that. And my heart leapt with joy because I realized I'm sitting in my seat. And what's on the seat? A large popcorn, a large Coke. What's on the seat next to me? The Kira should be sitting in. A large popcorn and a large Coke. I'm like, fucking score. A four-hour film, and I've got two large popcorns. Now, you might say, Shane, yeah, but no man in his right mind is going gonna, is gonna to eat two large popcorns in four hours. Listen, you've listened to this podcast enough. Do I sound like I'm in my right mind? <laughs> I was fucking, this is the greatest day of my life, okay? The best. It couldn't get any better than this. So I'm sitting there watching the film and I'm fucking horsing through my first popcorn. Like, uh, you know, fucking, I don't know, something that eats something fast. I can't think of an analogy, right? Think of it yourself. <laughs> think of one yourself. Or you can come up with one yourself. Something that eats something really fast. Like a, a pig at a hot dog contest. All right? Is that all right? Anyway. So I, I'm shoveling through the fucking popcorn. I'm like, yes. I don't have to spare it out. I've got another large one here next to me. Robert De Niro. Listen, he doesn't look like he's 25, but fuck it. <laughs> I'm enjoying the film. Get to nearly the end of my popcorn. I look over to the popcorn next to me on the chair. And I'm like, I'll see you in a few minutes, buddy. You know, I'm blowing the kisses. What happens? The cunt, and I'm trying not to use many swear words this week. I'm trying to cut down. But this guy can only be described as a cunt with a hard T. A seat over for me. So there's me, there's my popcorn, and then there's this guy. He fucking reaches over and takes the popcorn. He takes the fucking popcorn. He takes Kira's popcorn and he starts eating it. An hour into the film, he's after horse and through his as well. He takes the popcorn. No. 
I'm like, you fucking prick. I feel like um, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas when Billy Bats told him to get his shine box inside internally. I'm like, you motherfucking mutt, yo. Right? So he eats the popcorn, right? I, I, I can't believe I can't even concentrate in the film. There's all old fellas, pretend to be young fellas. Who knows what's going on? Some fucking takes four hours. I don't even know what's happening. Because I'm fucking raging. Because this guy is after eating Kira's my popcorn. My free popcorn. And I've nearly none popcorn left. It's a disaster. And you know what? I know what? Rub salt into the wounds. This film is four hours long. This prick who stole my popcorn. Because what am I supposed to do? I can't lean over and go, hey, I paid for that seat as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, here to- I can't do that. He'd think I'm a psychopath. That's what I want. Oh, hey, no, that's my girlfriend. She didn't come. You go, are you the saddest man that ever lived? Are you the saddest man that ever lived? Going to a mafia film and pretending that you have a girlfriend to get pop large popcorn. Is that what you're doing? That's what he'd say to me. Oh, so I can't risk that. But to add insult to injury, this motherfucker leaves an hour and a half into the film with the popcorn in his hand. He doesn't even stay for the whole fucking thing. He eats two large popcorns in an hour and a half. And I'm sitting there raging for the rest of the fucking film. And I watched a bit of it the last day and I was taken right back there (laughs) to that guy in November 2019. And if I ever see him downtown again because I'll never forget his face. I'll I'll tell you what. I probably won't do anything. Let's face it. But I will fucking go, Kira, that's the fucker that stuck my pop, took my popcorn. And then when I came home, I was re- telling to Kira, she was like, how was the film? I was like, fuck the film. Listen to this popcorn prick. I told her the story. And Kira said, well, that's a classic case of you snooze, you lose. Fuck up. Fucking hell. But anyway, now that film is forever ruined for me. I'm never going to be able to sit down and watch it again without being taken back to that f- prick. Martin Scorsese's magnum opus, his statement on mortality and death and life. And every time I watch, I'm going to be reminded of the prick who stole my invisible girlfriend's popcorn. You know what annoys me, right? This is a new annoyance. One of Shane's new annoyances. When people criticize something by just describing what it is. All right. For instance... I'll say, uh, because if you criticize something, you should say why. You can't just say, like, um, when people go, Oof, I don't like football. I mean, it's fellas kicking a ball around a field. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's not, that's what it is. It's That's why we like it. It's fellas kicking a ball around a field. All it is is fellas kicking a ball around the field trying to score more goals than the other person. Yes! Or I remember one time some guy criticised this podcast. All it is is a fella from Trudy up in Dublin talking out his hole. Yes! That's exactly what it is! (laughs) You know? I don't like jazz. It's just fellas making stuff up as they go along. Yes! You can't, that's what, you can't just criticize things by describing them. 
Shane, I don't like Shane's penis. It's very small and thin. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I don't know. That could be a criticism. But you know what I mean? You have to have some depth. You have to say, you can't just describe what something is. I hate apples. They're sweet and uh, red. Is that annoying any of you or am I in my own boat here? I suppose I'm kind of the same, though, when I said I hate shorts because they don't go down past their knees. I hate socks that don't, that don't cover your ankles. But that's what they are. No, actually, socks should cover your ankles. They're socks. Anyway, listen, let's move on. I've been in a sort of uh, funk, you could say, since about April, right? I had a certain thing happen in my life and some people close to me's life. That was fairly... Uh, would you, I suppose you'd say a little bit of a domestic tragedy, right? I'm not going to go into it. But I've been in, I was in a lot of a funk ever since. And not a, like James Brown funk, where I'm dancing around doing the splits and high heels and shit like that. And going, get up, oh, that thing. Not a funk like that. Not like Grandmaster Funk, <laughs> whatever his name is. Okay? I don't mean like that. I don't mean like Steve Wonder. I mean in a sort of funk, like a bad smell. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I'm trying to snap myself out of it. So, you know, I started just kind of descending into that thing where I just, instead of doing anything, I just lie on the couch and instead of going out for a walk in the sun, I sit here and eat, you know, chunky Kit Kats and things like that, right? So I says to myself the last day, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up now and I'm going to go for a walk, leave my phone here and just take a walk and try and make myself feel better looking out at the trees, because usually going for a walk makes me does make me feel better. It just kind of gets your mind going, it gets your heart beating. And you look at trees and you look at birdies and you look at people and you realize that, you know, life isn't just your problems. OK, that's what walks do for me. So I was doing this the last day, right? And I'm walking around uh, the back of Portobello there. And first of all, what happens to me, a guy walking his dog, an old man. And uh, I'm kind of getting in a good mood at this point, kind of a smile on my face. So I'm walking past him and I'm from the country, you see, I'm a country boy. I'm a country rube. I'm from the southwest. I'm a rural uh, fella. And we say hi to people in the country. Now, in Dublin, they don't really do that. But I says, you know, I'm in such a good mood. I'll say hi to this guy. Because that's what I was growing up. You'd be walking down, you see a fella, and you go, well, you go, oh. And that's just the country law. You know? Even if it's some guy you absolutely hate, be like, oh, no, that's fucking Barry Sullivan, the cunt. Here he comes. Uh, hey, Barry, man, how's the gun? Hey, Shane. And then you walk on, and he's probably saying the same about you. But that's the country. That's how the, you know, the society out there would collapse if we didn't do that. It'd be like, you know, Mad Max. So in Dublin, you don't do that. But the last day I was in such good form, walking down by the canal. I see this old man with his lovely little dog, right? And he's an old man. You kind of, you know, he's only got a couple of years left. Might as well give him an all salute. So I says, hey, how are you? And he goes, uh, fine. And he goes, the weather, good weather. All right. And I went, yeah, Jesus is lovely. Thank God. And then he goes, so what the fuck would you know? What? <laughs> this old man, he goes, what the fuck would you know? 
and I have to walk on. And that's what I get for trying to be happy and fucking over the moon. This old man telling me, what the fuck do you know? So at first I was shocked, but then I started laughing. I was like, that's just a funny exchange. <laughs> the one time I try and say hi to a guy, he goes, what the fuck do you know? All right. And then whatever is going on in his life, who knows? He's probably, you know, he's an old man. He's like, that's why I can't wait to be an old man. The one because th- you can just be a cunt and people are like, oh, he's just a bit grumpy. If a young fella says, uh, you know, that looks like Mr. Bean with a small, with a bigger nose, goes, hey, how are you? You can go, ah, oh, what the fuck do you know? And nobody will say anything. It's great. So after I was kind of laughing at the absurdity of it. And then I started feeling better again. I was coming around Camden Street. All right. Looking at all the beautiful people, the blue sky, the, you know, the ever. I started feeling better. Just the absurdity of life. They were all here. Nobody knows why. For no reason. Really. And it's, everything is silly. And I was feeling happy. Everything is just kind of silly. And I turned to walk the direction home. I turned up a an alley kind of place. Walking up there. Feeling better. Feeling like, oh, I'm going to make an, I'm going to make a, I'm going to be trying to be happy for the rest of the summer. And then I stood in a big fucking pile of dog shit. Big pile. A pile big enough that you could hear it when I stood in it. I was like, fuck yeah. Hell! <laughs> I'm trying to feel good. And now I have an old man calling me a prick, basically. And I'm after stepping in a big pile of dirty dog shit. Two days ago, a young fella said I look like Mr. Bean with a big nose. And I have no toilet seat. What more can life throw at me? There's fellas walking around with no fucking socks. You know what I mean? I can't take this anymore. I'm like Job in the Bible. You know, God kept testing him. Kept throwing fucking the worst things happening to him. And that's what I feel like. I'm Job. I'm a modern day Job. And then I had to walk home with a dirty, big, smelly shit in the bottom of my shoe. And there was no grass around because there's no fucking grass in Dublin. Not like down home. There's grass everywhere. There's grass in your house. So I had to get in and I had to clean my shoe with a fucking kitchen towel. All right. Wet kitchen towel. Went through a whole roll of it. Muttering to myself. And that's what I get for trying to be happy, isn't it? (laughs) And it's things like that that make me go, you know what, there actually could be a God. Anyway, I got an email here from a gentleman named uh, Dennis. He goes, hello, Shane. How's the crack? Um, He goes, I had this mental dream last Sunday night. No doubt it was gas related, but beyond that, the whole premise was I was going about my business back home in Mill Street, whereupon some town crier started screaming about the incoming storm. Now, I haven't lived in Mill Street for 14 years, so I didn't give a fuck about town criers. So I'm looking at Clara Mountain and I see this big black abyss coming over the top and someone shouts, get down, the storm makes you live your biggest fear in your sleep. All right. Okay. Mental dream. All right. This is the, the title of the email is mental dreams. So your dream was some guy said, get down. The storm makes you live your biggest fear in your sleep. All right. I eventually fall asleep and it turns out my greatest fear is shuttling on a bud bus between Horns and Tralee and the Danny Man Killarney. 
hanging for a drink, but never stepping foot inside either establishment. Towards the end of the dream, I'm down on my knees, roaring, why, why, why? All right, so you're telling me you're on a bus between Horns and Tralee, you couldn't get into the pub, and you're freaking out. Fair enough. Weird dream. But then, some lad steps out of the darkness, a la O'Brien in 1984, but it's you. He means me. And you say, what about your missus? What's she fearing in her sleep? And it turns out, thankfully, it's not my missus, but my ex. And you're running at her with a fake Mickey. And before you give the fatal blow, I wake up. So what you're dreaming is that I... Forget about the rest of the dream. The main part... I, you're only, I'm only ever interested in someone's dream if I'm in it. <laughs> All right? In your dream... You dream of me chasing your ex with a fake Missy, Mickey. That's, I don't mind being in people's dreams, but I mean, what the fuck is that about? Why am I chasing your ex with a fake Mickey? I don't like that dream. Get that dream out of, out of your, you know, why isn't there a dream of me being like just a nice fella who, who plays guitar and tells jokes and is loved by millions? Why isn't that a dream? Why am I chasing your ex-girlfriend with a big dildo? That reminds me of the time that I found a dildo in Tralee years ago. Spotted a dildo. Big pink one. I'd say an old school dildo. You know what I mean? Not one of these new vibrating ones with little buttons and knobs in them. Not one of them ones. One Old school, manual. Uh, not automatic, manual dildo, right? A big one. Bendy one. Found it. Uh down the back of an alley in Market Lane in Tralee. This is about ooh, uh, 10, 15 years ago, right? And, of course, we laughed. But as I'm older now, I realize that it's not funny at all to find a dildo uh, on the ground in an alley in Tralee. Because uh, if you find a dildo in the wild, I realize now, you know that whoever lost it is having one of the worst days of their life. Don't you? You don't just lose a dildo. And if you do, right, if you lost it, if it was an actual loss of your dildo, if you got home and you're going, Jesus, I'm going to get my dildo. Oh, fuck, it was in my pocket. Where is it? Oh, no, I lost my dildo. Oh, fuck, where? I, I had it in Martin's house. As I was walking home with it. I came home and it's gone. I don't know where it is. You're ringing up Martin. Martin, did I leave my dildo in your place? No, Dave, you didn't. Oh, fuck. I don't know where I put it. All right. Worst day of your life. First of all, you could have left it anywhere. Could have left it out in front in your mother's kitchen or something. You know, shit, I went on my, my mom's house on the way home with it. I hope I didn't leave it there. Freaking out. Bad day. Plus you're down to dildo. Or your husband or your wife could have said, listen, Mary, it's fucking me or the dildo. All right. I can't take no more of this thing. I'm sick of you <laughs> looking at it. I'm sick of it being there. I'm taking this and I'm fucking it out the window. All right, that's another bad day for Mary. Mary's like, oh, I'm stuck with this bastard. You know, because you can't. If anyone did, if she said, listen, I'm sticking with the dildo, Michael. And then her friends go, Mary, why did you leave Michael? Oh, he said it was between me and a dildo. They look at her like, oh, Mary, come on. There's more to life than dildos. So that's obviously a bad day too. But the saddest of all 
I think, would be if you threw away your own dildo. Because you've realized you've gotten to such a sad point in your life that this dildo is the high, is the manifestation of your misery. You know what I mean? Who, who you're like you're sitting there at three o'clock in the day, and you're having a go at your dildo. You're probably going, Jesus Christ, this is the lowest point of my life. You know, I'm throwing this dildo away. So that's just my message to to all of you. If you find a dildo in public. Because it has happened. We often see pictures of, oh, I found a dildo in a field or wherever. If you see one out in public and you laugh, all right, laugh. It's funny. But take a moment. If you're there with your friends, hold hands, have a minute silence for the person behind the dildo. Because you can be guaranteed they're not having a good day. But having said that, Dennis, I don't want to be in your dreams chasing your girlfriend with a big Mickey, right? <laughs> Uh, it's disturbing. You need to go to a doctor. You need to maybe have a get a stronger medication, or else just stay off the drink and the, and the hallucinogens. All right, man. And he told he says here, give a shout out to the to the elephant man, his friend Matt, the elephant man. So hello, Matt, the elephant man. I hope you're not having dreams about me with a big dildo. All right. <laughs> and that time we found a dildo, oh, we did, we didn't touch it or anything. Me and my friends, we just kicked it around like a soccer ball. You know, innocent fun, innocent fun. I have another email here from Enderly Theakston, friend of the show, Enderly Theakston from Leeds. All right. He's from Leeds. He's from Upload. He sends me emails from time to time. He's, he's fucking Enderly Theakston, you know. Uh, he goes, good afternoon, Shane. Good afternoon, Shane. <laughs> I'm from Leeds. Is that even a Leeds accent? I don't know. Upload. I'm eating Yorkshire pudding for a wee tea. I hope you've been well. I've been loving the podcast as always. Well, thank you, Henry. He goes, I'm coming to Dublin on the evening of the 5th of July and leaving on the 9th of July to do some research in Trinity. Ooh, la-dee-da. In Trinners, is it? Ooh, Henry. Henry's a bit upwardly mobile, isn't he? He's going to Trinity. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, suits you, Henry. Going to Trinity, are we? Fair play. He's going to do some research in Trinity in the National Library. Ooh, la di da, I see. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just being a prick for no reason. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Henry. Will you have any shows in Dublin between those dates? Cheers, nice one, thanks. So that's between the fifth of July. Uh, 9th of July. Uh, so that's like three days. Now, I'll say this. Right? The way I get jobs doing stand-up, I don't ever really plan in advance. I should. But when I do like club gigs, that's what we call it in the biz, in the trade, I'm usually like very last minute. I do maybe three or four nights a week. Um, and But I never really book in advance. I'm lucky in that way that I always get gigs if I kind of want them. Around Dublin, all right? I'm not blowing my own trumpet here. I mean, if I could, I wouldn't be wasting my time. And if I could blow my own trumpet, I wouldn't be fucking wasting my time doing this part. You know what I mean? I'd be sitting here in silence. With just a... Ah, uh, come on now, Shane. Because it's getting late and I'm getting frisky. All right. 
So I don't know if I have any gigs in those days, right? But I will promise to let you know, Henry. Now, another, this is going to segue into some cheesy fucking promo. I'm begging you guys. (laughs) I'm fucking begging you to come and see some of my shows in September slash October in and around the country. There's the first one. It's in... I think it's September 13th or something. I can't remember the date. In Workman's. In Workman's in Dublin. Buy the tickets now. Will it sell out? Probably not. But, you know, I'll... uh, Buy... (laughs) I'm going to lie like everybody else does and tell you, yeah, it's selling out, so get your tickets. That's what everybody does. Oh, my God, tickets are selling like hotcakes. You better get them quick. So that's in September. Uh, All the listings are in the link to this bio. It is in Limerick, Cork. Galway, uh, uh, other places, all right? So God willing, you come. And I, I, you know, just fucking come. (laughs) Just fucking come, will ya? That's my new marketing camp, my new marketing strategy, just fucking getting pissed off with you. Just fucking come. Uh, For fuck's sake, will you fucking come, no worry, to my shows, for fuck's sake. Uh, but I'll let you know, Henry, if I'm doing any spots on those nights. 5th of July to the 9th of July. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. What did we learn this week? I look like Mr. Bean with a big nose. There's no point going for a nice walk because you just get hurt, uh, reminded that the universe is plotting against you. Don't If you find a dildo, remember there's a tragedy behind it. And uh, pop, reggae pop is terrible I think that's all we learned is it do we learn anything else oh it's hard to be a dad because you're superfluous <laughs> at the end of the day so anyway that's the end of the podcast this week may God have mercy on us all and I'll talk to you next week or if you're on the Patreon I'll talk to you the weekend patreon.com forward slash Shane's podcast okay that's it cheers nice one thanks and hobnob <laughs> <laughs>